Good morning. Good morning. Like Pastor Adam said, we are the kids pastors here at Church on the Hill. And for those of you that don't recognize us in these clothes, uh, that's because we're normally wearing the I Love Kids on the Hill Mm t-shirts in the highly fashionable green and navy blue. I generally wear the navy blue because it hides my gut a little bit better. And so uh, before we dive into anything today, guys, we wanted to acknowledge uh, just how awesome your kids are. And, uh, and we mean it straight from the heart. We've been the kid pastor here for, jeez, uh, four years now. And, uh, and we love your kids. Uh, they're smart, and they're funny, and they're compassionate, and they're hungry for Jesus, even at four and seven and 12. And you guys have some great kids, and, and we're honored that you even allow us to play a part in the shaping of their lives. We appreciate it so much. And just like Jack was saying, thank you guys so much for getting, giving us the opportunity to speak into your kid's life every single week. I mean, I know as a mom that it can be a really scary thing to drop your kids off with people that you don't know and you don't know what they're telling them back there. So we don't take that lightly as a yep. team at all. And so, and your, your kids challenge us every single week to bring our A game. And let's be yeah. honest, some of them really challenge us. For real. <laughs> Like, you know who they are, right? And I'm not going to name any names. I'm just kidding. But a um, couple weeks ago, um, actually, one of the eight-year-old boys, he ran across the gym, and he starts pulling on my shirt, and he says, Captain Jack, are you talking to the big kids next Sunday? And he meant you guys, right? And, uh, and I said, well, me and Miss Nicole are. He goes, are you scared? And I said, well, kind of. He goes, why are you scared? I said, because... I'm not used to talking to people with attention spans longer than five minutes. So So today, Jack and I are going to be talking about what godly, healthy parenting looks like. And just a backstory, we've got two boys. Our first son is Noah. He's three and a half years old. And then we have Jonah, who just turned five months. He's actually just right here in the stroller. But when I entered the mom club, it was so scary. I was so unprepared for it. I didn't realize that there was a method that I had to follow. I mean, I was caught unaware. I was like, I, I, do I do this? Or, I mean, do I, do I let him cry it out? I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, I'm going to step back. And, God, what do you say about this? Because this is really a scary territory I just stepped into. So God actually gives us some principles that we can apply to, to our kids' lives. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and before we do, I want to share a quick story. As a new dad, because even as a new dad, it, it can be pretty nerve-wracking. And I remember when Noah was first born, and um, prior to Noah being born, we had, we had lost three kids via miscarriage and went through a really tough season. And so when Noah came, it was like miracle. And, and we were excited. And, and I remember to this day, we're at Mansfield Methodist Hospital over off Broad Street. And uh, it was the day after Noah was born. And I woke up at, at 5.15 in the morning. And, and I looked in the room. And, and Nicole is, is sleeping peacefully in her bed. And, and the nurse wheels in our son from the nursery. And Noah's got a little halo on his head, and there's angels singing, and, and I look out this big window, and the sun's coming up, and there's birds fluttering and chirping, and I mean, everything about that moment was magical. It was beautiful, right? And then a thought entered my mind at like 5.17, and the thought was, as I looked out the window, man, my car's right over there. If I get in my car, like right now, and just start driving, and keep driving, like I don't even think they'll know that I'm gone. Right. Right? And you laugh, but I thought about it for like 30 seconds until reality hit me, and I was like, boom, 
I am now a parent. It's game time. And just so you know, we are not the experts on this topic at all. I mean, if anything drives us to our knees more in prayer, it is kids and parenting them. So if you thought you were coming in here to see experts today, sorry, that's not us. And honestly, when Pastor Adam asked us to speak on this, my first instinct was like, uh, run, are you kidding me? The high schools have seven kids. Surely they know what they're talking about. (laughs) I think they're up to 37. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so... Guys, uh, our key scripture for today is out of Proverbs. You've heard it before, but man, we're going to dig into it today. It's in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, which says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, the world's definition, Webster's Dictionary defines a parent as a person that creates an offspring. It's just a person that has a kid. It doesn't say anything about caring for that kid doesn't say anything about nurturing that kid. Don't even have to know that kid. Don't even have to live in the same state as that kid. It's just a person that has a baby. But I'll tell you right now, God's definition of being a parent, much less a healthy parent, is so much bigger than just having a kid. And the reason I was so overwhelmed for those 30 seconds that morning, that 30 seconds, is because the gravity of being a parent hit me. Because when Nicole and I decided to be parents, we didn't decide to just have a baby and change diapers and put food on the table. We entered into an 18 to 24-year, hopefully not 40-year journey, right, of deliberately and intentionally training our kids up in the way they should go. Pastor Adam and Pastor Jamie two weeks ago talked about being deliberate in their marriage. Well, we want to be just as deliberate in our family and with our kids And so this overarching premise and purpose of of training is the foundation and framework behind every single thing we do as parents. And just like Jack said, having kids is so much bigger than having just offspring. I mean, when we look at the Bible, the relationship between a parent and a child is that of discipleship. It's the best example that we have on discipleship. And when we look at what the Word says, everything it's, touch, it's talking about is training up a child. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, and as we read Scripture and we dove into the Word, I mean, there's bits and pieces on parenting all over the place. But, man, as we really study, there's about four just key principles that we pulled out that we just want to share with you guys today. And like Nicole said, we haven't mastered this and we haven't figured it all out. But there's a couple of principles that applies to all of us including the people in the room that don't have kids. Because whether you're a parent with a kid or a parent hoping to have a kid or an aunt, uncle, grandparent, I promise you, you're surrounded by kids all the time, and they're watching you, and they're learning from you, and they're gleaning from you. And so this applies to everyone in the room. So today we're going to share these principles. But next Saturday, please come back because we're going to dive into the details. Okay, And we're going to talk about the practical ways of how do you apply this and what does it look like on a day-to-day basis and let's role play and let's model this. And so today we're going to share these principles, but next Saturday we're going to dive into the details. So the first thing that we're going to look up at is how to train my kids in the ways of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So the first thing that we want to talk about are what are, what are the ways of the Lord? I mean, there's 
millions are unsearchable. So clearly we can't talk about all of them today, but there are a few that Jack and I have just really grasped hold of that we want our kids to get to. And the first one is giving. We want our kids to be such givers because we live in a society today that is so selfish. It's all about the selfie, selfie, selfie. But we want our kids to look outside of themselves and be givers. And a quick story about that. Our son Noah, who's three and a half, um, he has a friend, Ellie, who she's not here right now, but Pastor Amanda and Ryan, they're going to be moving to Chattanooga and set the world on fire for Jesus. But Ellie and Noah have this really special relationship, <clears throat> and she was over playing one night, and they, you know how kids are, they've got an hour worth of time that they're really good playing, but then they start to argue over the same toy. Well, we had hit that point of the night, and Noah had just got this new toy named Marble, and they were back and forth, I want Marble, no, I want Marble, I want Marble, and then she had to leave, and as she's walking out the door, something just clicks inside of him, and he says, wait, Ellie, of course you can have Marble, of course you can have her, and he realized he's left her inside, so he goes, faster, Noah, faster, and he brings it to her, and he's like, of course you can have Marble, and then he walks back inside, and he said, hey, uh, Mom, if any more kids come to my house, I'm not going to have any more toys. <laughs> no, you will always have more than you can imagine if you have that heart to give. But then another thing we want our kids to get a hold of is compassion. We want them to look outside of themselves, to be able to reach the lost and hurt world. And so when, when I was back in the hyenas classroom with the two- and the three-year-olds with Noah— A lot of the time, some of the newer kids that would come in, they don't want to leave mom and dad. And they're crying for the first couple of minutes. And I would hand Noah a toy, and I'd give him a car, or I'd give him a doll, and I'd say, here, go invite your your new friend to play. And so he'd walk over there, and he'd say, it's okay, come and play with me. So in that moment, I'm teaching him what compassion looks like. And that's the thing. We need to be looking for those teaching opportunities all throughout the day because I can talk to him about those Bible stories all day long. I can worship with him. But if he's not applying it to his everyday life, he's not going to get it. So whether we're doing the dishes, we're doing the laundry, if we're at the park, whatever it is, I'm looking for those those kingdom principles. And then I'm going to go back to the word here. It says that you shall teach them diligently. Guys, that word diligent, that gets all of us. Because it is so easy to be super passionate about something, and then we kind of pull back. So, oh, but I'm going to pull back. You know, we've got to be so diligent about this. It's the slow and steady wins the race kind of thing. It's the planting of the seeds daily in our lives. And there is no farmer in the world, no smart farmer in the world, that would ever step outside, throw some seeds to the wind, and say, whoop, I hope to reap a harvest. That's not going to happen. We have to be so intentional. What are those things that you want to see when we send our kids out to the world? What are the things that you want to see in your kids? And we need to be planting those seeds daily. What does that look like for our kids? Well, I want Noah to have a heart of worship. So every single day, I carve out three to five minutes time in a day. I'll turn on a worship song, and he's just, you know, right now it's deep cries out. And he thinks that worship is just like breakdancing before the Lord or, you know, this. And that's okay, because over time, he's going to get it. I'm going to plant those seeds, and one day he's going to have a heart that is so passionate to praise the Lord. So the word is diligent here. Absolutely. And like Nicole said, we can look for those teaching opportunities and we can tell our kids every single minute of every single day. But then it brings us to our second principle where we have to model. We have to model 
who Jesus is to our kids. This is sobering, guys. It's sobering to think that my actions and my behavior as a parent represents who Jesus is to my kids, especially when they're young, right? How I interact with my wife, how I respond to the, to the police officer that pulls me over for only going five over the speed limit, right? How I respond to the, to the sweet homeless guy that's at my window in my car on the corner of Keith and 67, right? They're watching me all the time, right? And I'll be the first to tell you that in three and a half years, I've already missed it 10,000 times, 10,000 times. But I have this goal and this purpose and this thing in my heart that knows that, man, it is my responsibility to be this example for him. Because at the end of the day, your kids are going to do what you show them and not always what you tell them. I was raised in a great home. My parents are here today. I'm so happy that they're here today. Mom and dad, I love you guys. Raised in a great home, right? My dad was radically saved, gave his life to the Lord when I was five. My mom followed suit, whole family followed suit. So from five on, I've got these great memories. There wasn't any alcohol in my home. There wasn't any drugs or smoking. My parents, they just didn't do that anymore. And so I was raised in a home where I was never really exposed to it. So when my parents would tell me, hey, son, don't do that stuff, it was like, a, yeah, no problem. Like, I, you don't do it. I, I, I get that. I get that. But I'll tell you right now, my parents cuss like sailors. And in turn, it wasn't long before I was cussing like a sailor, right? In fact, we would go to restaurants together, and it was almost our love language. It was never out of hatred. It was almost our love language to, like, rip one another apart. Can you top that one? Right? And people would, like, watch us in these restaurants and think, there's something really wrong with that family. And that one thing, there was something really wrong with, with that, Right? But when I turned 16 and my mouth got out of control, my dad pulled me aside one day like a good dad should, and he said, son, you can't talk like that anymore. I said, but you still do. He's like, yeah, but, 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 but you still do, dad. And, and there wasn't much more to say there, right? And I look at my own son, and, and I got a three-and-a-half-year-old alpha male. Like, he's the strong-willed alpha male dog, and I love it, Right? And those kids naturally push the boundaries and, and, and kind of resist authority. And I'm okay with that to let them grow. But, but how can I tell my son and expect my son to submit to my authority all the time when sometimes I still struggle to submit to the Lord's authority? Sometimes I still struggle to submit to the authority that God's put in my life. There's a tough boundary there, right? I'm growing in that. And what I've learned in my own relationship with my Heavenly Father over the past 15 years is he allows me to grow in that, right? Because as a good daddy, the word says he disciplines those that he loves. But there's a certain way that our Heavenly Father disciplines us. I'll tell you one thing, he's never embarrassed me. He's never humiliated me in front of my peers. He's never smacked me with a mighty hammer, right? My Heavenly Father, he corrects me and he rebukes me and he sometimes uses other people in my life to do it. But he always does it from a vantage point of love with the goal of training me to become the man he's called me to be. So parents, catch this. Even how we discipline our kids is another way that we model who Jesus is to our kids. Right? Ephesians 6, 
chapter 4 says fathers, and we could say parents here, but fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Guys, I know that disciplining kids is a sensitive subject. We're not the experts. We're going to dive more into it on Saturday. We're going to role play. It's going to be great. But at this point, I wanted to address the fact that there has to be a healthy balance between being authoritative and accepting. Okay, because we've seen both extremes. We've, we've seen the parents that, that, are, that are really, really authoritative, and, and it's almost like look, they look for every excuse in the world to pop their kid. Second they step outside the boundary, it's like, wha-bam, right? And we believe in spankings, but not to the point where it might break their spirit, right? Pastor John and Pastor Lisa, they talked last week about, about breaking a horse's will, dominating and forcing a horse into submission, well, guys, our, our kids aren't horses. You know, we don't beat them like dogs. They're sons and daughters of the Most High, right? So that's one in the extreme. But then on the other, there's this thing that, that's all accepting and embracing. And, 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 and I've seen parents that just want to give kids everything they want. And, and it's like their goal in life is just to be their kid's best friend. And it'd be the worst day in the world when their kids don't like them. And that sounds great, but I see these kids grow up and, 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 and they're easily offended, and they're spoiled, and, and sometimes they don't understand authority. And so there's this, you know, spectrum, and, and, and the target is somewhere in between. And, and if anyone here has figured that out, please write a book about it, and I'll buy it for everyone in this room because no one's figured it out yet. And, and the truth is that, that it, it changes. It's different with every kid. It ebbs and flows. It changes in seasons. And so here's the good news, guys. You don't have to figure it out. When the Holy Spirit lives and abides in you, He teaches you in every moment what needs to be done, right? But if you're not listening, you'll miss it, and it's really easy to miss. Okay, last week, Noah was upstairs, and he's running around like a crazy man, and I love it, right? But it was getting a little bit crazy, and we needed him to come downstairs, so I said, Noah, hey, buddy, I need you to come downstairs. And he starts running, and then he stops in his tracks, which was weird, because he normally keeps running. And he stops in his tracks, and he goes, no! And I was like, no, you didn't. I said, Noah, hey, buddy, I, I need you to come downstairs. There's no more playtime. Daddy needs your help with something. Come on downstairs right now. And then he takes it up a level. He goes, no! Like the poltergeist, right? It's like, what was that? And so I'm starting to get angry, and I'm trying to curb my emotions because I'm a good dad, but on the inside, I'm like, I'm going to kill him, right? And so, so he screams, and I said, I said, I said Noah, I go, I'm going to give you a choice. You can come downstairs right now, or I'm going to come up, and I'm going to give you a spanking. Your choice, buddy. And he goes, I'm not coming downstairs. I was like, you made your choice, bud. So I start coming upstairs, and the tiger inside of me is at bay because I'm just ready to kill, you know? And then I'm walking up to this little lion, and he's squaring up to me like a man because he's not afraid, right? And I look down at him, and then he knows what's about to happen, so his little lip starts to quiver, right? I hate it when his lip quivers. And I said, I said, son, I said, it was, it was a really easy task. And he looks up at me, and he looks down, and he just points at the ground. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what is he pointing at, right? And I look over, and there's this big wasp flying around, right? And then that second, the Lord showed me the only reason he didn't come downstairs was he was just afraid of walking by this wasp, right? And so I get down on my knees and I said, son, I said, I said, buddy, were you afraid of this wasp? Is that why you didn't come downstairs? 
his lips quivering. He goes, yes, sir. And then my lip starts quivering. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But then there was a teaching opportunity, right? I said, son, next time when there's a wasp on the ground like this, you need to tell daddy that there's a wasp right here. And then let me teach you how to kill this thing. Go grab your bat. So he goes and grabs his bat. And I come back and I say, you smack that thing. Well, pow! I said, because you're a mighty man of valor and you're a brave warrior and you're a wasp pillar. He's like, I'm a wasp pillar! Right? And so at the end of the day, guys, we're going to miss it. But you have to know that in every given moment, your kids are watching you. And it's our responsibility to model who Jesus is to our kids. So the third thing that we're going to talk about today is identifying and developing the giftings in our kids. So I'm going to read Ephesians 2.10 that says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. The first thing I want to highlight here, guys, is the word workmanship. I mean, you think about a craftsman or a, a potter, and that is a wheel. Each one of us are so intrinsically, specifically, uniquely designed with his fingerprint. That is incredible. Okay, and then we go back and it says that God prepared beforehand, before the foundation of the world, each one of us had a plan and a purpose and a destiny inside of our lives. And we've got to look to our kids to find that. And with Noah, oh my goodness, when he walked into this building at two and a half years old, it was so funny, I'll never forget it. He walks in and seven-year-olds flock to him. Noah! I was like, this is really weird. They know he's two and a half, right? Like, why are they following him around? But I realized in that moment, okay, this kid is a leader. He is a natural born leader. And you better believe that I'm going to develop that gifting inside of him. And not only that, but not too long ago, we were watching TV. And the, the commercial for the Olympics came on, and he just stops in awe. What is that? And I said, it's the Olympics? And he said, I am going to the Olympics. He was so serious. And he, I, had a, I ran a half marathon, and I had a medal upstairs in my office, and he ran upstairs. And we have a picture here. My son ran upstairs, puts this medal on. <laughs> He is going to the Olympics, and you better believe that I'm going to develop that in him because guess what? One day he might be on the world stage proclaiming Jesus as his Lord. Jesus is my ambassador. But guys, here's the thing. I have missed it so big, big time in my life with comparison, okay? Comparison counts us out. We can look to everybody else and say, I'm not, I'm not that. I'm not, I'm not good at that. I could never worship like that. I could, I could never preach like that. And then we pass that on to our kids and we say, well, they're not, they're not obedient like that kid is. And they're not, they're not worshiping. They're not, they're not reciting the word like that. And then they're not reading like they are. But guys, when we do that, all we're doing is disqualifying what God has put inside of us. When we get a hold of that, guys, man, we can give our kids the opportunity to develop those giftings inside of their home so that when we do send them out to the world, they know exactly who they are in Christ Jesus, and we can be confident in that. And that's the end goal. It's, it's to send them out into the world. And so if 
for 18 years, we've been training and training and training and developing and developing. I got to believe that it's for something. And that something is to eventually send them out into the world. Right? Psalms 127 verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. When I think of arrows in the hand of a warrior, I think of that elf from Lord of the Rings. Okay? And I can't pronounce his name because I can't pronounce half the people's names in that movie. Right? But he's the guy with long blonde hair and he looks like Justin Timberlake. And it's almost like he's got a never-ending supply of arrows. Right? Because he'll be in a battle and he'll shoot a thousand of them. It's like no way could a thousand arrows have fit in that quiver, but it did, you know. And so he'll just shoot these things rapid fire like a machine gun. But what's even more amazing is it doesn't matter what terrain he's on. The guy could be surfing on a log down a waterfall, right? And he precisely hits his target every time. Okay? Because these arrows, they're fashioned and molded and shaped for a reason. Okay? They're not made to just look pretty and stay in a quiver for 30, 40, 50 years, right? They're shaped, fashioned, and molded to eventually be shot. And not just shot aimlessly, but specifically at a target, right? And the scripture relates children to arrows. And so like arrows, we as parents, it's our responsibility to train and develop and equip, right? To eventually send them out into the world, but not just throw them out aimlessly, but to specifically hit a target. So what's that target? Well, let me tell you what it's not. It's, it's not. it's not success in the world's definition of success. Guys, we live in a culture that says success here is, is making a ton of money, right? It's, it's getting the perfect job. It's living a comfortable lifestyle. It's getting the big fancy house, possibly retiring early, hoping to be able to afford insurance until Medicare kicks in, blah, 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 right? Right? None of those things are wrong, but none of those things were meant to be our life's goal and purpose, right? The target for our kids is they would become everything that God has created them to be and do, that they would walk 100% into the destiny that God has planned beforehand for each and every one of them, right? Some bankers, some construction workers, some doctors, some teachers, pastors, you know, boom, 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 right? And regardless of which arena they're shot into, that they'd be ambassadors for Christ, affecting change, bringing light to a dark and dying world, right? Guys, I got to tell you, I love my kids. We, we literally enjoy our kids, okay? I enjoy hanging out with my kids. I took my three-and-a-half-year-old son to the Jungle Book the other day. We threw popcorn at each other. We had a great time. I'm learning how to enjoy hanging out with my little guy. At this point, he can only smile and say, ah! And I can do that for 10 seconds before I get bored, just being honest, right? But I enjoy my kids, and I can already see how 18 years from now, whatever that time is, I can already see how hard it's going to be to let him go because I love him so much. I can already see how hard it's going to be to release them, right? But then there's another part of me that gets really excited, that gets, like, extremely excited because we've been working for 18 years for something, right? And I get this picture in my head of, you know, like me and Nicole, or let's, let's use Noah. So me and Noah sitting in the car, and we're driving along, and 
I'm taking to him where we're about to send him out, right? Could be college, could be vocational school, could be the Olympics. I don't know, right? And so we're sitting in the car, and it's almost like that last, you know, trip in the car where my son's in the car. Daddy's boy, right? And I can picture that moment where we pull up to where we're supposed to be, and he opens that door, and it's that last time that he's sitting there as daddy's boy, and he closes that door, and he steps out into the world as a man, ready to be launched off into his destiny, right? And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm already playing it out in my head. As soon as that door shuts, I'm going to scream to the top of my lungs, right? Not out of trauma or, or, or frustration or, or despair, but out of excitement. And as if I could talk to the world, as he shuts that door, I'm going to say, World, that's my son Noah. Boom. Ripple effect. Right? And then three years later, Jonah's going to be in the car. Right? He's going to close that door. And we're going to go, you hear me, world? This is my boy, Jonah Grady Clark. Boom. Ripple effect. I can't help but think that that's the greatest joy that we get to experience as parents. And we are blessed and honored to be a part of that 18, 24, hopefully not 35-year process. Right? And, and our kids are still small, but, but I can already see, man, the Lord showed me. After all that time, sleepless nights, poop in your face, last-minute science projects, bounce checks, wrecked vehicles... After all that time, it's totally worth it. It's 100% worth it. So stand with me across the room. Guys, we were asked to share with you guys some tips on how to be a healthy parent, and whew, we're still trying to figure it out, right? But I think that one thing that needs to be said from the pulpit is that healthy parenting is not about avoiding mistakes. It's not about being the perfect parent, right? You know, to us, healthy parenting is, is being willing to take that responsibility of deliberately training our kids up in the way they should go. And there's not a person in this room, parent, aunt, uncle, grandparent, um, it doesn't matter. There's not a person in this room that wouldn't admit that they would like to be better at that. I know we'd like to be better at that, right? And so, you know, what we wanted to do is we wanted to take a moment to just pray with you guys. Not over you, but with you, because we're in this with you. And, um, and we just want to pray that, man, the Lord would open our eyes to, to what that means to be a healthy parent. Maybe some of these principles jumped out at you. Maybe one or two nuggets kind of hit you, and you're like, oh, snap. I've never seen that before. Never heard it put that way. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's something I can journey for a few months. I don't know, right? But we want to pray that, man, the Lord would just open all of our eyes to, to what that looks like. And then that he would empower us and equip us to be the parents that he's called us to be. So bow your heads with me. Father, we just, we just come to you right now and we say thank you. We say thank you for, for parenting us so well. So well. You are the perfect, perfect father. Your love is perfect. Man, if I could be a hundredth of the father that you are to me, if I could be the hundredth of the father you are to me to my boys, 
Amen. It'd be amazing. So, Father, I pray that even right now, you begin to open our eyes to, to what you've designed that relationship between a parent and child to be. That you would show us what it means to be a healthy and a godly parent at this hour, in this culture, in this day. And then, Daddy, we ask that you would just equip us to be those people, to be those moms and dads and single dads and single moms and help us be all that you've called us to be. Father, I pray right now that you would you would show us what it means to train our kids up in the ways of the Lord. What are the ways of the Lord? Father, as you give us revelations of, as parents of who you are, I pray that those revelations would just flow naturally into our kids, Father. I pray that you'd open our eyes throughout today to the, to the teaching moments that exist all over the place. Father, we don't have to block out three hours of time and read 15 Bible stories. Man, there's an opportunity at Dairy Queen. There's an opportunity in line to get my ice cream after service. Father, open our eyes to all the opportunities around us. Lord, we pray that you would help us as parents to model who you are. Oh, let us not shy away from it. Dads, let us not shy away from it. Let us not be insecure in it. Let us own it and say, Jesus, help us. Help us. Help us model who you are to our kids as we grow. Father, thank you for the grace you give us. Thank you for the grace you give us. Father, we pray right now that you'd give us eyes to see the giftings in our kids. Oh, let us not be distracted by the kids at at the sports arena or in their classroom or down the hall in Sunday school. Oh, let us keep our eyes focused on our kids. Show Show us their strengths and their giftings and then give us the resources that we need to help develop those things, whatever it would be. And Father, we pray that especially for those that are about to launch their kids out into their destiny. Oh, that you give us courage. Oh, that you give us courage to let go of the things that are so precious to us, but to know that we're not losing them. Oh, no, 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 no. We're sending them. Oh, that's our legacy. God's scripture is clear. The kids, they're not our own. They're yours. They're not our own. They've been on loan to us. They've been on loan to us. They are not our own. So, Father, help us have the courage and the boldness to send them forth to be all that you've created them to be in Jesus' name. Father, I just I just come against any guilt or condemnation that anyone in this room might be feeling right now, that they missed it. There is no guilt or condemnation in Christ Jesus. And every single day, God's mercies are new for us. If we've gone off track, we've veered off, God, God is a good Father who leads us and directs us. And we can make today We can make today a new day. We can make a decision to to just tweak our thinking just a little bit in that area and that we will commit our ways to the Lord once again. But there is no guilt or condemnation. Father, we just thank you for the privilege to raise, or excuse me, to train up children. Lord God, as, uh, as Pastor Jack said, Lord God, whether we're, we have children in our home, whether we are pre-children, whether we're uh, empty nesters, Lord God, grandparents, Lord, there are children all around us. There are children in this church that need help. There are single moms that need support. There are, all of us have the privilege, Lord God, of raising up the children of Cedar Hill. We claim Cedar Hill's kids to be safe and protected, that they be trained by the believers of oh God. They be raised up to know what it is, what is right and what is wrong, what is God-like and what is not God. 
Lord God, to help them hit their destiny, Lord God. We, we take on the responsibility as Americans, Lord God, to raise up the, the generation. And Lord God, they're not just... And I just say, well, boy, I wish that family get their act together, Lord. But come alongside of those families and come alongside that single parent, Lord God. Father, I just thank you right now in Jesus' name. This will go deep into our hearts as a church that we would raise up. Lord God, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't sit and complain, but we raise up the kids and the young people, Lord God. Teach them what it is to be like the Lord and love them unconditionally, Lord God. To model Jesus to a generation. Father, I thank you, Lord God. Lord God, that this church is a church that's alive, it's multi-generational, because it recognizes, Lord, we know that we've got to have the fathers in the faith, but Lord God, if the fathers in the faith and the mothers in the faith sit around just enjoying each other's company, and they never get their hands back in the mess and get down in it for the kids, oh God, then they dry old and die, and it all dies out, and our legacy is nothing, but if we continue to reach down and love and give ourselves to those that are younger than us, those that need help from us. Lord God, I thank you that you'll open up the hearts of men and women in this room. Lord, I pray that our teenagers would be mentors to children. Lord, I pray that our children, Lord God, would help disciple children. And Lord God, that we would be right in the middle of training up a generation on how to know you and be like you. So Father, we seal these things. May these teachings resonate in our heart. Lord, may they be solid inside of who we are from this day forward. If you keep your head bowed and your eye closed for a moment, I don't ever want to gather together in the name of Jesus without giving an opportunity for every person to be in right relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in this place today and the truth of the matter is you just, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, you're pretty sure that if you were to die today, if you were crossing that intersection up the road and an 18-wheeler didn't stop at the red light skidded through it in the rain and hit the side of your car and you were immediately killed and you stood before the king of glory what will he say to you he look at you in your eyes and say wow i'm so proud of you he said oh but lord i just wasn't good enough oh no 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 you love me you did your best to serve me or will he look at you and say why not why did you push me away so many times i reached out to you and you pushed my hand away friend don't push the lord away today if you're not right with him, if you don't know him as your savior, you're just a prayer away. You say, well, what do I do? What do I do? Well, that's the beauty of it. He did it all. He made a way. See, sin, our sin kept us from having a relationship with the living God. Because the perfect God, the sinless God, cannot interact with sin. He can't, he, he can't have it in his presence. It, he destroys it if it gets close to him. And so we were separated because of our sin. Oh, but he sent his son, Jesus who bridged the gap. He paid it forward, if you will. And all the sin that we would commit, all the sin that was to come, all the sin that had been done, he paid for it with his precious blood, his sacrifice on a cross. And that gave us a doorway back to God the Father. Jesus became that way, that truth, that life. And so our response it's simply this, oh God, I need you. Jesus, I accept you as the Savior. I confess you. And the Bible says that when we do that, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he fills us with his Holy Spirit and he begins to teach us his ways. And we begin changing and we don't look like we did before. Every day we get a little closer and we begin to morph a little bit more like him. 
and it becomes this wonderful journey. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not a Christian or you're away from the Lord and you don't want to leave this place like that, would you let me pray with you? Would you have the courage to admit that to yourself? Listen, the Lord already knows you. He knew you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, the Bible says. He knows you. And so they, you may can lie to yourself and to your friend, but you can't lie to him. He knows you. And if today you feel guilty of sin, don't feel that way anymore. Let's deal with it through prayer and a dedication of our lives to the Lord. With no one looking around, if I'm speaking to you, the Lord's tugging at your heart. This is you. This is you. Then, friend, have the courage to respond and let the Lord cleanse you and walk out of this place with your shoulders back and your head held high going, I'm right with God. I'm not perfect, but I know God and he knows me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, and you want me to pray for you, I want you to boldly lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. It's time for me to be right with the Lord. God bless you, sir. Thanks for your honesty. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I'll give you three or four seconds. God bless you. I see that hand over there. God bless you. Oh, you're so precious. Thank you, sir, for your honesty. Amen. I see your hand. You can put it back down. Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. It's time. It's time to be right with the Lord. Anyone else? God bless you guys. There's been, there's been a few of you. It's so precious. Your heart's so tender. Thank you for your honesty. You can put your hands down. Now, I want to lead you in a prayer. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray this prayer out loud. I'd like you to verbalize. You're coming to Christ out loud. And I want all the congregation to help those who lifted their hands. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Say it out loud. Jesus, Jesus. Today, today, I come to you. I humble myself. And I recognize I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sin cleanse me from my unrighteousness I declare here and now in front of everybody in front of heaven Jesus is my Lord wash me clean and fill me with your Holy Spirit I dedicate my life to you and I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus name Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand, maybe for the first time, maybe as a returning back to you from times past. Father, I pray right now they would sense your forgiveness. Lord, I pray it would be like a, like a, like, like a, a, a big blanket, a warm blanket in, on a cold night that drapes around them, that they would feel and sense you love them and that you forgive them. You hold not their sin against them any longer. Lord, I pray that right now they would sense that you have been orchestrating this day and that, Lord God, you have a plan and a purpose for them. And, Father, I speak life, life over every man and woman in this room. Those who are coming back to you, may they understand the tenderness of heaven and that all of heaven is dancing and shouting and rejoicing, the Bible says, when one sinner turns their heart back to the Father. And so, Lord, heaven is doing cartwheels right now. Because they've said, yes, I need the Lord. Now, Lord, may they understand that you are strengthening them. And that, Lord God, that today is a new day. And that every day they're going to grow in you. And, Father, a little bit at a time, they'll see all the junk, all the things that they're embarrassing. It'll, it'll flake off as they just learn to love you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen. Amen. amen.